Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Well, hallelujah. We are continuing in our series called A Culture of Honor. We've been learning um, about this principle of honor, which has actually been a little bit misplaced, uh, especially uh, in a younger generation. We really don't understand the principle of honor the way that we should, uh, but this principle is actually all throughout the Bible. And I, and I want to just begin each week with reminding you that heaven has a culture of honor. Right now in heaven, the Father is on the throne, and there are, there are a number which cannot be numbered gathered around that throne honoring the Father. And the Father is honoring the Son. And the Son has been given a name which is above every name. And He is now sat at the right hand of the Father. And the Father is honoring the Son. And the Son actually is honoring us right now forever making intercession for us. He's praying for those who are in the world living for Him and making a difference for His kingdom. There's actually God is honoring those in heavens as scripture says in the book of Revelation elders he puts crowns on elders heads and God is honoring those elders and then we find those elders taking those crowns of honor and casting them back at the feet of God saying no you are the one worthy of all honor and this so heaven is this great culture of honor and with that in mind, uh, we are told to pray the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father which art in heaven, Matthew chapter 6, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, I believe God wants the culture of heaven on earth. He actually tells us to pray in that manner, that we are to have the culture of heaven on earth. And I believe our gatherings on Sundays are to be a reflection of heaven. The church ought to be filled with what heaven is filled with. Heaven's filled with healing. Healing. Anyone who has been sick on earth, they pass into eternity. Healing. There are no sick people in heaven. So the church ought to be filled, filled with healing. Heaven is a celebration of salvation. So the church ought to be filled with people who are experiencing the wells of salvation. We could go on and on and say, whatever is going on in heaven, heaven is filled with worship. So our churches ought to be exuberantly praising God. It's the culture of heaven on earth. But the, there is a great culture of honor that is in heaven that I believe God wants on earth. It's the culture that God wants on earth, and the church is to be a reflection of heaven. So what is honor? Well, honor simply means this. It means to value it means to esteem, pay respect, to assign a value. It means weighty. Literally, the word um, uh, honor, it means weighty. It means something of value that is weighty. We learn that, that God honored us and assigned a value to us, not based upon our performance. Aren't you happy about that? And God said, you're not, you're not valued based upon how good you are. 
Your value was determined by God when he set the value and assigned the value to your life. You say, what was that value? God bankrupted heaven. He bankrupted heaven and gave his best and highest gift as a price paid for you. So that you could become a son or a daughter. So your value is Jesus. God honored you with Jesus. And today, we're going to learn to walk in those same areas of, of honor. Now, there are four areas that every believer is called to walk in honor scripturally. First is to government. We learned that last week. Uh, if you didn't get to listen to the message, go back and listen to it. Uh, especially before Tuesday, because um, we do want you to go and vote and make a difference and to be a voice. But there is a way that we are to honor government, and the Scripture tells us how to do that from Romans chapter two and first first Peter, uh, Romans chapter thirteen and first Peter two. So go back and listen to that message, InvernessCalvary.com. You can subscribe to our podcast if you like. Now. We honor government, we honor family, which we're going to be talking about today. We honor uh, our leaders in our community. That would be like teachers and principals and coaches. And then we also honor church leaders. Now, uh, those are the areas that each one of us are called to honor scripturally, but uh, uh, honor also has direction. So, we are to aim honor at those who are above us in authority over us. We are to actually honor those who are in authority over us. We are actually called to honor those who are our peers that we're running with, that we're like equal in authority with. But then we are also called to honor those that have been entrusted to us. Jesus called those little ones. He said, don't keep them from me. He says, don't, don't do that. Let them come to me. The scripture says Jesus put his hands on them and blessed them. So honor has several different directions. And today we're going to talk about honoring family. Now, uh, uh, you know, whenever I mention these scriptures, um, uh, which we're going to go first to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, people mention uh, Ephesians 6 and they immediately think the armor of God. Well, Ephesians 6 actually has the, uh, the most memorized verse by parents in the Bible. This is the most memorized verse by parents in the Bible. And it, it's not until you have a child that you actually uh, start memorizing verses. And this is usually the first one. Okay? So we're going to... We're going to look at this and we're going to discover some things about honoring family. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Young people, you're going to feel as if this is directed to you. It is. Um, um, however, the principles that I'm going to give to you today uh, never stop. And they can be applied to every relationship in your life. And I believe if we will lay hold of this, God is going to unlock supernatural things to us. 
So Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1, the most memorized verse. Here it is. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. See, I didn't even need to tell you what it was. All the parents in here said amen. Verse 2 says, honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Actually, you know, uh, as a young parent, I used to tell our kids, you know, listen, you need to learn, uh, you know, verse 2, okay? Because if you do not obey us, we'll take you out and make another one looks just like you. No one will ever know. It's not what this is talking about, but it, we thought it was, would work. It's actually bad parenting. Um, and so we actually find out that this principle of honor goes way back to the Ten Commandments. You know, the first five commandments are all about how we interact with God. And then the first of the first, the next five the first of the next five of how we interact with each other is this commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I heard a story about a, a Sunday school teacher who was teaching her children about uh, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments, and she said, she said, is there a commandment that talks about the way you should treat your parents? And a little girl raised up her hand, and she said, yes, honor your father and mother. And then she asked the next question. She says, well, is there a scripture that, that has to do with how you should treat your brothers and sisters? And the little boy raised his hand and said, thou shalt not kill. That really works. That's actually a good interpretation of Scripture. But we find from the very, very beginning that God is mentioning this topic of honor. And many times as we read this, we think that it's just about parents. But really, the topic of those sentences is honor. It's honor. And there's something very powerful about this, this topic of honor. And, and we're going to read these verses and get a few takeaways this morning from these, from these verses. First takeaway that I want you to get from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 is this. Obedience and honor are different. They are not the same. Obedience and honor are not the same. Let me, let me say it this way. You could actually obey your parents and not be an honor. You could just, you know, you could be doing it and just do, do whatever you're told to do, but you're not, they're, they're not carrying any weight in your life. You're just kind of listening. And by the way, you know, Jesus actually spoke well of the one who was the servant, who was given instruction, who complained at first and said, no, I'm not going to do it, but then changed his mind and went and did it. How many of you know obedience is a good thing? It's a very good thing. However, obedience does not mean that you are honoring. Now, I will say this. It's impossible to honor without obedience. You can obey without honor, but you cannot honor without obedience. 
Now they are intimately connected because God connected them by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul as he penned these words. But I want you to understand that all true honor, all true honor begins in the heart. You say, how can you, how can you honor someone? Well, I would say it this way. You can honor someone in action. That's in what you're doing. But you can also honor uh, someone in words to really esteem them, to pay respect, to actually use your words rather than just, you know, grunting. Parents, do you, do you understand the language of grunting? You've heard it before. Maybe you don't recognize my description. It's like, uh, uh, listen, listen, son, I need you to go clean your room. Ugh. Interpretation. I really don't want to do that right now. I'd really rather be doing something else. But reluctantly and with great fear and trembling, I will go and clean my room. You can actually honor your parents people in your life with your words, but how about this? You could honor them with your thoughts. See, honor starts deeper. And you know, uh, as we grow, we all know that the cornerstone of great relationships is want to, not have to. That, that out of the inside of us, we are compelled to have a great relationship with someone else. That it comes as a drive from the inside. That drive has a name. Honor. It starts with honor. Then it becomes many other things. And we'll talk about that today. So we have to understand that obedience and honor are different, and yet they are connected. Second takeaway today is this. Honor leads to favor. Honor leads to favor. Remember, there are actually two promises in this scripture. Two promises. It's honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long. Okay, there are two promises. And let me just give you a teaching about the promises of God. When you walk in the counsel of God, you can actually walk in the promises of God. There are hundreds of promises of God in the Bible. Let me give you an example. There is a promise of healing. The scripture says, by his stripes we are healed. Psalm 103 says that it, that he heals all my diseases. However, anybody ever had a symptom? Lots of them. And what do we have to do as believers? We actually have to take hold of the promise and believe for it by faith. And then we see the results. If I were to just ask, uh, just look around, look around, I promise you, we didn't plan this. Anybody who has been supernaturally healed by God, raise your hand. Look around, guys. Look around. You know what this tells? This tells a story that God is amazing and a keeper of his promises. 
And that there is a testimony going all around that when we go after something by faith, we can walk in it. And this promise connected to honor is no different. There is favor that is released when we walk in honor. It says that it may go well. How many of you could just use a little bit, a little bit more of that statement in your life? Okay, I just need a little more of that. Well, the biblical word for that is called prosperity, and we find that in 3 John. You know, he says, I pray that your, your soul prospers, you know, and that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Well, that word prosper, it, it's not, it doesn't mean accumulation of wealth. That's not what that means. Literally, prosper means I wish you a smooth road. How many of you want God to come and smooth out the road that you're about to walk on? Man, that's good news. That's a good place for an amen. But amen, come on, God God makes great roads ahead. That doesn't mean it's easy, and that doesn't mean that it's not narrow. It just means it prospers. And what unlocks it? Honor. Honor. Honor leads to favor. And the greatest, I, I think one of the greatest uh, examples of this in relationship is the story of Moses and Jethro. Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. So anyone in, who in here who's ever been married and had trouble with your in-laws, you're really going to like this. Moses was the great deliverer. He's the one called by God. He was doing a bad job shepherding. You say, how do you know that? He had sheep on the backside of a desert where no grass grows. Not a good shepherd. They're probably skinny sheep. So there's Moses and his skinny sheep. And the bush starts burning and starts talking to him. And God says, take off your shoes. The ground where you're standing, it's holy. And he announces to him, you are going to be the deliverer. I am sending you. Who's sending me? I am is sending you. You tell them the God, the self-existent one, Jehovah, Yahweh is sending you. I am sending you. He says, how will they know what's in your hand? And he says, take the stick and throw it down. It becomes a snake. And then he picks it back up. It becomes a stick again. He's like, I can't speak. He says, take your brother and go. Now Moses is, is marching back into Pharaoh's court and then he throws down the stick and it becomes a snake. And then the magicians throw down their, stick, their, their sticks and they become snakes. Only Moses' stick eats all of their snakes. And then he picks up the, you know, his stick, which was light when he laid it down, but it's heavier and weightier when he picks it up because it's full now. I've always wondered, I'm going to ask God later, did Moses have to keep feeding his stick? I'll ask later. Not only does he do all of those signs, but he, he walks them through the, 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 the ten plagues. And he, he, he leads the children into Passover that they still celebrate today. It's an amazing deliverance that happens. Three million people get delivered. In this story in Exodus 15, I mean the entire nation has just walked through on dry ground. This is God's man. He then gets reunited after this great deliverance with his father-in-law. And his father-in-law sees all that God has done for him and his people. 
and he converts. It says that, that Jethro was a priest in Midian. He was not a priest of God. He was actually a pagan priest and then converted. And he begins to praise God, okay? The next day, we get this encounter. The next day. If Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. It says, the next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about their statutes and their laws and make known to them the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over people as chiefs, thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they'll bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. If we take that scene and we bring it into our modern day church, even if it was someone who was related to us by marriage, and we had been walking with God, knowing God, seeing the miracles of God, doing all kinds of great things for God, and this one day old believer comes to us and says, what you're doing is not good. We'd say, go sit down. <laughs> Do you know who I am? You ever had a bush talk to you? You ever walk through the Red Sea? You ever drown an army? And you're telling me this is not good? That's how that would go. But Numbers actually tells us something. It says this. Moses was the most humble man in his generation. It actually says it this way, the most humble man on the earth. You know what Moses did? Moses honored. He listened to all of it. Not only that, the day before this, he thought this was a good idea. He's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm ministering to people. I'm helping solve problems. The only problem was the line was so long. 
The people were growing tired of waiting. They would wait there all day and night. And who knows how long that line was. There were three million people. This is actually why I believe senior pastors shouldn't be giving their entire weeks to counseling. Because Jethro said it's not good. So immediately you're thinking, well, uh, uh, can, so can we ever meet? <laughs> yes, we can meet. Yeah, of course. But I don't do long-term counseling because it's not good. You know what Jethro said? We are to do as pastors. We stand before God. And this is the primary position of shepherds. God, you see the people. God, come and move. God, come and work out this situation. Because if we do it this way, if I stand on behalf of God for you, it'll wear me out and you out. God wants a personal relationship with you. And we stand together as brothers and sisters and get the little matters worked out. But mostly shepherds stand like this. And then we teach the word of God. It's too heavy for one man. So what do we do? We have life group leaders. And what do they do? They speak life and they pray and they work on it. And they're over, you know, tens. We don't have small groups of 50. Well, we had one that was, you know, a men's group that was kind of one of those. And we have a, a seniors group. And so we have some tens and we'll have some 50s and we'll have some hundreds over youth ministry. And, and, and we have some other people who are doing different things. But you know what, what, what are we doing? We're living the principle of Exodus 18. We're honoring the voice the voice of God that came through a baby believer. And listen, an entire nation came into rest because Moses honored his father-in-law. Honor leads to favor. And honor locked, unlocked favor for the entire nation of Israel. Now the next takeaway from Ephesians 6 and, and Exodus is this. Honor leads to long life in the promise. And I wrote it that way uh, specifically. Honor leads to long life in the promise. You see Exodus 20:12 says honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Now, sometimes um, we learn what to do through someone else making a mistake. Have you ever seen somebody make a terrible error and you go, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that." Not going to do that. So sometimes we learn principles about honor through someone's terrible error. Well, we find one of those errors in Genesis chapter 9. Noah has just come out of the flood. He's lived for months on the ark. By the way, he wasn't on the ark 40 days and 40 nights. That's a myth. He was on the, the ark months 
It rained 40 days and 40 nights. And the waters came up from the deep of the earth. He was there for months on this boat with his family and all of those animals. I'm sure it was pleasant. He comes out of that season and God finally brings the ark to rest and the waters recede. And then Moses, at this grand age of after having built an ark for a hundred years, decides, I'm changing jobs. I've been a carpenter for a hundred years building a boat for God. I'm doing something different. And then this is where we catch up with the story of Noah. Genesis 9, 18, it says, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now listen, it says this twice, so I want you to see it. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these three people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He's like, that's it. Carpentry over. I'm going into farming. Listen, he says, he drank of the wine and became drunk. Just so you know, that's sin. And lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, here it says it again, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem... And Jacob took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. I want you to see this. Noah, things have been going really well for Noah. He's been listening to God and following God to the salvation of his family and ultimately the entire planet and all of the animals. However, Noah made a really, really big blunder. He gets drunk. Getting drunk is a sin. The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, be not drunk with wine. Old Testament says wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. By the way, I'm not saying that you can't have the occasional alcoholic beverage. However, you have to have all of the attitudes of scripture if you are going to partake in that. Not just the ones that make you want to party. I bless you with that. That's not the sermon. So, here's the scene. Noah, the father, is in sin. And in comes Ham. And he goes into this tent and he sees his dad laying there in sin making bad choices. And he comes back out, and I can only imagine the snickering, and dishonors the dad in sin to his brothers. 
but his brothers understood honor. Ham did not understand honor. And his brothers took a garment and they threw it over their shoulders. And arm in arm, they backed in to a dark tent. Backing up to the father who had made a really bad choice. And with their faces away from their father, they took the garment they were covered in. And they covered their dad. And got low and walked out of the tent. This is what it looks like to honor. Because many of us in the room say, what if my parents are no good and they're in sin and they're making bad choices? Take the garment of grace, sons and daughters, that you've been covered in and dare to back in humbly into someone else's life without exposing what is going on in theirs and cover them with the grace that's been covering you. That's how you honor the broken. That's how you honor the father that, that was not there or the mother who was abusive. That's how you honor. You take the garment that you are carrying and you don't expose their sin. You expose them to what's on you as a son or a daughter of God. Dishonor Cut ham off from blessing. Notice it said, though, Canaan be cursed. Canaan be cursed, Ham's son. It's really critical that you understand who these people are. If you're going to understand what honor is going to unlock for you. You see, honoring the imperfect led to possessing the promise. You need to write that down. You're going to understand it in a minute. Honoring the imperfect led to possessing the promise. Remember I said his name is Ham and he's the father of Canaan. Well, before Canaan was just a person, Canaan would later become a region. See, there's Noah and his three sons, and it would be generations later that God would call a man named Abram out of a land called Ur. And he would call Abram, and nobody can figure out why God called Abram. God just picked him. 
And he says, come out from your family and come to me. Come to a land that I will show you. God comes and makes a covenant with Abraham, Abram, and he makes the covenant and changes his name to Abraham. And he says, come, I'm going to show you a land. I'm promising it to you and to your descendants, Abraham. And then Abraham went and walked a land from north to south, east and west, called Canaan. Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, Jacob then has many sons, Reuben, by the way, poor Reuben, he actually, that's another story of dishonor, when, when, his, when uh, J- uh, Jacob's mother dies, or J- uh, Joseph's mother dies, you know, it's like uh, he, he goes in and sleeps with her and he actually loses his birthright, Bilhah. It's a dishonor, he says, uh, he lost his birthright because of dishonor. But there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then there's Joseph. And then we find Moses comes out of Egypt. But God said, I am going to give you a promised land. When did he promise them the land? Right here in Exodus. He promised it. Why was Israel promised the land of Canaan? Because they honored Noah. Because there were sons that honored their dad, Israel possessed a land, a promised land. That's what it's called. Canaan land, promised land. They possessed a land of promise and lived in it. It's what God wanted to give them and bless them with. Why? What unlocked them being in that land? What unlocked it? Honor. Honor unlocked it. It was the honoring of a father who was a failure. It was honoring a father in a moment of failure that unlocked unlocked the entire nation possessing the most beautiful land on the planet, Canaan. Still to this day, the best weather in the world is Israel. And what unlocked it? Honor. I said this earlier, that all honor really comes from the heart. And when we think of the heart, we think of love. And it was in my, just in the early parts of the journey on this series that I actually discovered that they were intimately connected. Now, my personal uh, study Bible is a New King James. That is a word-for-word translation. It's a good study Bible, okay? I like that. But there's also another great version called the NIV. And the NIV is a a thought-by-thought translation, and basically they take a a group of words and they they say, well, this is the thought behind these words being defined. And so it was in a day where I would just happen to be reading in the NIV that I was in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that really tells us all about love, which proceeds from the heart. 
And it says this in verse 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Wait. It does not dishonor others. So love and honor are intimately connected. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in the evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Love, it does not dishonor. You could actually say it this way. Love honors others. So love and honor are connected. In 1 John 4, verse 20 and 21, uh, you know, we, we, we begin to see how honor is to be played out through love. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says this, If somebody says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? This, this, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. You could also say equally, how could you honor a brother that you can't, how can, how can you dishonor a brother that you can see and think that you're honoring a God that you can't? You see, honor is how you and I are supposed to live toward God and toward each other. I say it this way, it's the seedbed of everything good we experience. You say, how could you say that with all? Because when Jesus went to his hometown, he experienced something. He went there and made the great announcement of Luke, uh, uh, Isaiah 61. He said, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. He makes this grand announcement, sits down, and everybody is stunned until they hear, and today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And then they start asking, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's boy? Isn't this the guy that made our dining room table? What is he saying? That he's the Messiah? And then he says this, Jesus speaks up and says, yeah, a prophet in his own. He, he says he carries honor everywhere he goes except in his own hometown. And the scripture says this about Jesus in his own hometown. He could, he marveled because he could not do any mighty miracles there. Listen, I didn't say that wrong. We all know that all things are possible with God, but the scripture says Jesus could not do mighty miracles there. There were only a few sickly people healed. How is that? They did not honor him. He was amazed by their lack of faith. But Jesus said the reason they don't have faith is because they don't have honor. And, and, and I believe God wants to raise us up as a church that has great faith, that does great exploits. But it starts with honoring God. But then the scripture goes on to say, well, you can't honor God without learning how to honor your brothers. And the scripture says, start with your parents. The scripture says, start with your in-laws. The scripture says, start with the failing family members by backing into their lives covered in grace. 
The greatest reason we honor our father and mother is so that we display the heart of Jesus to the world. I wonder if God won't raise up a generation that so honors the ones that have gone before them that their peers look at them and say, why do you honor your mother and dad that way? And their answer will be, because Jesus honored his dad that way. Jesus, when they tried to put accolades on him, he said, no, 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 I, I only say what I hear my father saying. When they say, wow, look at the miracles, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. When Jesus asked, when Jesus was asked at the very end, when are you going to establish your kingdom? He even said, oh, all those times they're in my father's hands. He was honoring to the very end. He's still honoring today. Why do we honor the family in our lives so we can proclaim to the world that there is one, our brother, our Savior, who honored his father so well, who had a great wish to have a relationship with the family on earth again. And so the son said, Father, I will go and pay the price for fallen humanity. I will honor you and honor your heart for relationship with them. And I will go. We find that in Ephesians, marriage is a symbol, a picture, a picture of God's desire to be in relationship with us. If that's true, then honor is a picture of the heart of that relationship. She's the foundation. And church, the promise of God is that we would live long in the land that God has given us. I have been compelled by the Spirit of God more and more to pray, God, make us a church of honor so that we can live long and your kingdom expands in this county because of the way we honor you and the way we honor them. How do we honor the broken that come through the door? We tell them of the price that was paid. How do we honor the community that we've been set in? We serve it with, with great gladness as if we were doing it unto the Lord. We set aside self, selfishness and we pick up selflessness and we say, God, we want your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And if we want to be a church that walks in the supernatural, that's a gift to this community, it will be because we learned to honor. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.